Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. You'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome. Thanks for being here. How is everyone doing? How about them Chiefs? <laughs> what a game. It's It's been that long. It's my first time back talking to you since the Super Bowl. Uh, so I, it, I know the game is over and long gone. I still had to say it. So excited about my Chiefs, and uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll do it again next year and be the first one to do it three times in a row. Uh, but what a game! Uh, apologies for missing Monday's episode. Uh, the winter bug caught up with me, uh, took me down for the weekend, and uh, even into this week, you can probably still hear it. Uh, I'm a little, still a little congested, but I'm back. Uh, happy to be back here. Um, shout out to Chris at Blanket Card Collector uh, from last week's episode. That was a great interview with a lot of great information. Uh, if you missed any of that, definitely go back and uh, and give it a listen. Uh, it was a great episode. So a fun story uh, before we start. Uh, last week I ordered. Uh, 10 prism hangers from Walmart uh, and they arrived uh, and, you know, excited to rip them open. Uh, and as always, my wife, they're opening the boxes with me and I'm telling her, you know, okay, you know, go through the, get through the base. There's the rookie card and right behind, right behind it is the silver prism. There's going to be some green cards there. We're going to put those aside, but you know, we're really trying to get one of these purple cards in there, these uh, number numbered purple cards. So we both ripped through, you know, we opened up, you know, five each. Uh, I was a little ahead of her, got through not one purple card. She didn't get any. Uh, and, and it was the last box she was on. And I said, any purple cards in there? And she said, disappointingly, no, but there's there's a gold something in here. I say gold. I'm thinking, oh, it's probably a, a prismatic, you know, one of those prismatic cards. Uh, and then she flips the card over, and it's a it's a gold prism wave of Sam Laporta, numbered to ten. Uh, I'll hold that card up there. Uh, I'm like, wow, <laughs> a gold gold numbered to ten card in a hanger. I opened up a bunch of. Uh, blasters and and mega boxes and and I was witness to a bunch of uh, hobby boxes being opened up and and never saw a gold card and I can't can't believe we pulled one uh, out of a hanger and uh, and a rookie on top of it right usually it's it's some lineman or something that is worth 10 bucks, but I definitely got my, uh, definitely got my money back on those hangers from that one. And, and she's pretty lucky. She usually, if there's a good card in there, you know, usually when we're, you know, opening up any of the cards, if there's going to be a kaboom or a downtown or something, she's going to pull it. So yeah, I'm very excited to have that card. 
So today's episode, we're going to talk about good money, dead money, and market timing. Um, I've talked for the last three seasons here on the pod about, you know, making a plan, a season plan that works for me in the hobby. Uh, I'm completely transparent, transparent, uh, what my plans are and really honest, what works and, you know, what failed. I get a lot, I get a lot of questions and it's starting to, to happen right now. And, and I think, you know, people are listeners are trying to emulate, you know, some of what I'm doing and Hey, that's what I'm here for. Right. I mean, I'm, I talk about what works and if you're going to listen to the content, I listen to content to get something out of it. Right. And, and if, and if I'm telling you something's working and, and you want to pick my brain a little, and a lot of people do, they reach out and they have questions on what, what, what are your thoughts on buying this player versus that, that player? And, and should I grade or should I hold that? How long should I hold? When should I sell? When do you think this guy is going to peak when, and, and, you know, it, it really comes down to prospecting versus, uh, it really comes down to prospecting, right? I, I, you know, it, and it depends on what you're doing. Are you truly prospecting uh, a rookie or is it a proven player? Um, are you buying now for, because you've, got some news and, and I talk about all this, you know, I bought, and it was funny because I, I talked about buying Justin Fields. Right. And then at some point I saw some stuff come up and said, Oh, he may be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I'm like, Oh, shouldn't have bought those Justin Fields cards. Right. Just because, I mean, you think about where, where's the hype of him going to the Steelers. Right. I, I mean, it, it could work out well, but it really doesn't matter when, when, because for the most part, unless you live up in this area, I don't think Steelers are a sexy team, right? And that's what it comes down to it a lot of times. A player could go to a team that's just a sexy team that he's going to, and people get all excited. We got to, you know, buy and, and And really, you could look at, you know, who's the supporting cast and say, I don't think this guy's ever going to get off the ground and anything good's going to happen. But since the market is excited about it, let's buy and sell those cards, right? So there's a lot of things that happen with players and again, rookies versus proven players. Um, and I start all this by saying my plans are really tailored to meet my needs and goals, right? This is year three of me, uh, basically being a full-time dealer and, and having, you know, just as many L's as W's. Right? And, and I talk about this all the time. Um, but as long as I'm learning from the L's and creating more W's and less L's, I'm becoming more successful. Right. I, 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 and what may be an L for me, maybe a W for somebody else. Somebody may take the same thing I did and, and I said, and this just didn't work out for me. And you could do the same thing and add your own little twist to it. And then it could become a W for you. So a lot of the times consuming content and you're consuming this content, I consume a ton of content and, and I listen to what worked for other people, what didn't work for other people. And sometimes what didn't work, somebody will tell, say, you know, ah, this is what I was doing and it didn't work for me. And I think to myself, why? If only you just did this or if only you just did that. And then that's, that's when my creative juices get flowing, right? Well, maybe I could try doing this or try doing that or take this and add something to it. So 
this is what we do in the hobby. I mean, I think, I think to me, uh, you know, being a dealer and, and, and this hobby's landscape is always changing, right? Always. We, I feel for me, I just have to keep trying new things and every year it's going to be something different. What worked last year? Okay, we can do that again, but let's add something else to it now. Now we know one thing is going to work. Let's add one more thing to it. Can we get more out of it? Or do we start doing something else? Because that may not work the year after next, or that plan may become a dead plan. So I just keep keep trying new things, um, continuing to adapt in the hobby and hopefully there's going to be more w's than l's right uh and and that's what the plan is i received a message from a listener uh last week who said um he was listening to this content creator it was basically talking about you know what i talk about all the time what what my plan was with football but they're saying you know this is this is when to buy how to buy and the timing, you know, when, when to sell. Uh, and the listener said, look, it sounds like your plan, like what you do, but the timing and everything was, was different. What do you think of that? Like, it's almost as if, you know, he wanted me to compare my plan to their plan. Right. I told you, I gave it a listen at the end of the episode. I'll, 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 I'll tell you what the difference is. Uh, with the two plans, nothing wrong with a different plan, right? Everybody's got, everybody's got to do their own, own thing in the hobby. Right. Um, I really want to share some, you know, some, my, my points about what I'm doing, but the most important thing here above all else is staying within your budget, stay within your budget. Do not overextend yourself. Uh, if you can't afford and, and I, I, I talked about this before. If you can't afford to put money out there in the hobby, don't put it out there in the hobby. It doesn't. It doesn't belong out there in the hobby. Um, I put money out there and give it a chance to grow. Right. That's that's what I do. I can do that. That's part of my plan. And everybody needs to create their own plan that fits within their budget. And, and we're all different. And we know, and you know that if you go to shows, if you're active in the hobby, you go out there, you see these people, they're sitting there with their case, right? And they may have 20, 30, $40,000 in cash sitting in their case with a sign saying I'm buying, right? That works for them. I, there's no way, there's no way that I'm going to a show to, to drop 30 or $40,000 in my case and, and, and you know, try to bring people in to sell me, to sell me their cars. A lot of times what I see is that same money leaving at the end of the day too. So I, I don't know how much buying they do, but that's not the lane I'm going to be in. I'm not showing up at a show with that much cash, right? Not even close, a very, very small percentage. I'll be buying at a show, but I'm certainly not buying, um, you know, you know what I'm buying. We talk about what I'm buying. I'm certainly not buying big higher end cards now. I'm I'm sticking around to the low end, uh, the raw cards for grading, things like that. Uh, but getting back to it, just you know, create your own plan that works within your budget. Um, I talk about buying football early. Uh, I start 
when the playoffs start or when Don Russ drops, you know, because I just want to start getting some of those rookies out of there. I know Prism's going to come right behind it. And sometimes when Prism drops, people forget about the Don Russ cards. And that's a decent time just to get in there and get those uh, hollow preview cards and things. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, many cards in the Don Russ line that, um, you know, that are going to be, but, you know, really, really expensive. Even if they come out and they gem and they get a 10, they're generally 500 and under most of those cards uh, that come out there. And that seems to be kind of the sweet spot now what people are buying. So I, I don't mind doing that because you can get into these cards for, you know, 50 bucks, 60, $70 uh, and grade out if you can gem you know, you're certainly going to double your money on it. And, you know, how many cars can you say you're going to double your money on something like that? And and then when Prism comes out, I, I think they immediately become forgotten. Like as soon as Prism hits and the silver Prisms are coming out, they everybody's forgotten completely about the Don Ross cards. Um, the lane for me that, I'd been in is buying the graded cards. And now this year is buying the raw cards to grade. So it's, it's been a new lane for me over the last year. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm getting better at identifying what cards, you know, are, are, are gemmable, you know, that could, that could come back at 10 and, you know, after sending cards in and we talk about L's sending cards in and coming back an eight or a nine, it's trying to figure out why did that card come back like that? Let's let me really pick this card apart and figure out where I went wrong. Why, when I looked at this card that I think it could gem and, and then just getting better at identifying cards. So I'm waiting on an order to come back now. Fingers are crossed that there's going to be a lot of a lot of tens in there. And, and you know, that's what I'm hoping for. I know they're not all going to be tens. I'm going to be disappointed on some, but you know, I'm hoping for the best on that. Uh, if I see rookies in any of these, you know, like the Don Russ, the prism that are worth prospecting. And I talked about who I'm prospecting on. I want to get early. I want to get in early, uh, before the prices rise. Right. And then I know when they rise kind of step back, and then when the market gets over, when get market gets flooded with these cards, when everybody's ripping them and they're all putting them back up on, you know, now the prices are going to start dropping again. Now it's an, it's a good time again for me to get back in. Uh, prices are down. Go ahead and buy them, you know, buy these, buy some of these cards that are, you know, that, that, that are doing their race to zero on eBay where everybody's just undercutting everybody else just try to sell the card because now there's a hundred of the same cards for sale out there. And then, I, like I said, I'm going to take these cards, uh, anything that looks like it's going to gem, I'm going to send off, you know, to, to PSA. Uh, the other cards I'm going to hold, if I'm not grading, if they're not going to gem, or I don't think there's a, you know, anything wrong, I'm going to hold these cards and wait for the peak. And then I'm going to start selling these cards. I'll bring them to the shows. I'll put them in the boxes um, and, and, and start selling when the prices are up again on them. I'll be hopeful, you know, on my PSA orders, like I just talked about that, that the ten, I'm going to get tens to come back and, and I'm going to hold those. It's not like those cards are going to turn around and go into my case the next show. I'm going to be holding on to these cards, the, the, the 
Anthony Richardson, the CJ Stroud, the cards that, you know, that are going to come back tens now. I mean, I know prices are up now, but I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine where the prices are going to be on CJ Stroud come the national this year. You know, I've got a number of his cards out there. Any one of these cards that come back tens, you know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of profit built into the, into those cards. So I get a little bit excited about that. Right. But, you know, cards are going to come back nines too, right? There's going to be, there's going to be dead cards there. Um, and dead cards equal what dead money. And there's really no way around that. There's no way around, you know, dead money. If you're prospecting, you're going to end up with cards. And even if the cards come back a nine, you know, a nine, there's a time to me, I feel there's still a time and place to sell. So, you know, I'm saying now I'm going to have a lot of profit built into a 10, but if it comes back a nine, right, we're all like, this is a, you know, a total loss. Well, no, if, if you sell it at the right time, you know, if you have a Stroud that comes back a nine, right, right now it may be worth 60 or $70, but come the national, that card could be worth $200. If the 10 is at $500, where's the nine going to be, you know, or what are people going to be paying for nine? So sometimes I think, you know, people, they, they turn those nines into dead money too quickly that they end up in a discount box right away. Um, and, and I don't mind picking up, like if I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to a show this weekend. If, if I went and looked in there and I saw some PSA nine prism of, of CJ Stroud, uh, or even in the, uh, Don Russ, any of the, the, you know, some of the nicer cards there, uh, the, the preview, the hollow things like that. If I see them in there, I'm going to buy them. I'm just going to, I'll buy them and hold those cards. Right. And it could be dead money. I mean, seriously, it could be dead money. Those cards could never come up in value, but I would just have to think that when, when those tens start rising, when the hype of, of, of him starts rising in June, July, when people are just like, oh, all I want is a Stroud card, right? I, I, I still think there's going to be a lot of value in those nines too. So, so I think it, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, if, if this thing didn't gem, it's, you know, it was a loss. Well, I think certain players, even a nine uh, could turn a little profit if, if held and, and sold at the right time. You know, last year I invested a substantial amount of money on QBs, all PSA 10s, you know, Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence Fields, you know, everyone that I knew there was going to be hype on uh, come the national. Uh, everyone I felt, what, the price was going to rise. I talked about this. I bought these cards at comps in, in February, March, and April, and maybe even some in January too, right? And And my whole thing was if I buy them at comps and then – six, seven months later, I sell them at comps, you know, I'm hoping there's going to be a 10 to 20% profit built into that, just buying when the prices are down. And then when people are forgetting about them and people are selling them because they want to, you know, cash out of those cards and put the cards into basketball or baseball or whatever season's up next for them. Um, so, you know, to me, that was good money. That was money that, that, was going to make money for me. Um, I can afford to do that, right? I can afford to put that money out there for six to eight months. 
knowing that it's going to grow and it's going to bring some money back to me, right? That doesn't work for everybody. For me, did that plan work? Yeah, for the most part it did, right? But I, I'm still taking a chance on that plan. Some cards rose, right? Some cards went up to the high end, the 20, 25%. You know, some were maybe down at five, six, eight percent, twelve percent, something like that. And then others, some cards stayed the exact same price and other cards dropped. But the, the problem is, you know, if a card stays the same, right, at a show, nobody's going to pay the actual comp on it. So now it now it comes down, you know, below comp. So some of those cards, you know, may have been an L and more, more of those cards were Ws. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was a good plan. It was a good plan. I, I learned a few things about some of the cards I was buying. Um, but still, it was, to me, it was good money to put out there. You know, for other people, it could be dead money right? It could be hobby money that you're putting out into a card and now you can't touch it for six months or seven months. So if that's the plan and you're not sure if you can put, put that money away for six or eight months, you're better off do, creating a different plan, more of a short-term plan, right? Maybe I'm going to buy some baseball cards right now and I'm going to flip them. And then maybe in May or April, I'll buy, try to buy some football and then move those in the, you know, in, in July, you know, at the national. Um, so some of the cards that, you know, ended up being that I learned my lesson on ended up being dead money were cards that I purchased last year, like Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky players, players that really don't have a season, but I just felt that, you know, at the national, these cards were going to be popular. People were going to look for them. Um, And I think the problem was, first of all, there's no reason for the cards to increase, even though I had bought them at a very good price. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, these cards are going to be popular come the national because the year before I watched, you know, these cards be very popular. People buying these. I didn't have any of them, but I saw them people buying them. Right. Um, there's no reason for these cards to increase in value. So when I was buying these cards at a good price, well, that was the price come the national, right? I, there was no reason for it to go up. So actually these cards went down in price, but there was no reason for them to come back up. There was no hype. There was no reason for them to come back up. Uh, and because there was so much of that same inventory at the national, the prices actually fell on those when I got there. And then I'm looking and I'm seeing what other people are selling these cards for. I'm like, geez. I said, I, I paid more for those cards, right? So then I realized immediately there's dead money. There's money that I put, I put out, I held on to for all that time. And then at the end of the day, it actually lost. It was, a, it was like a stock that lost, you know, that went down instead of gone up, right? Uh, I've learned on cards like this now, uh, players like this now, that they're either a PC hold or an immediate flip. It's either you're getting this card because you know you could flip it quickly um, or you're getting this card because it's going to go in your PC. But anything else, it turns into dead money. It's uh, players that have no season. It's very hard to hold them um, for the whole year. Right. And I'm not talking about vintage because I know vintage is a whole other, you know, I, I'm I, when I talk about players with no season again, I'm uh, more more current players that aren't playing that have retired. Right. 
Um, timing the market is probably the biggest thing here. Um, you have to know when to sell. And I've learned, and I talked about this, I've learned many hard lessons timing the market. Um, I feel after three years, uh, I know the best times to sell a sport. Whether it's hockey, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's bat- like I, I know when the best time is to sell it. And with football, you know, my thoughts, if you sell football between June and August and cash out, right, take the profit and start planning for next year. Even if those players are playing well, even if it's a player, you're like, hey, man, you know, Joe Burrow, he 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 missed the whole season. He went out on a season ending injury and the next year he came back and won the Super Bowl. And now this year he missed the season. We got big plans for, you know. Okay, that's good. I'm still going to sell the card in August. I'm not going to be holding that card um, because I don't want to take the chance of losing out on the profit. And it's and if you run it like I do, I take the sure profits, right? And I'll just reinvest, rinse and repeat. I could look back and say, geez, I shouldn't have sold that card. But more times I'm saying to myself, man, I'm glad I sold that card, right? For whatever reason. Um, you know, the hobby, the, the hobby market is a funny place. We all know on most cards, right? They're hot potatoes. The cards are hot potatoes, but we keep playing. And we all know the first few people who start with that card, they're basically the real winners. And the last few are the real losers. The in-between is anyone's game. Anyone's game is the in-between. And saying the last ones are the real losers, well, there's probably some real winners at the end. The people who really foresaw and held the card for the right reason and for whatever reason they did, there there are there are some real winners out there who are holding you at the end. But for the most part, and we see this over and over and over again, they're usually the ones that lost at the end uh, on these cards. So so even now. Like with prices are even now prices are already dropping on prism rookies right now. They haven't been out that long, but they're already dropping. Some of these cards have already seen their peak, right? And they're already, they're already running right back down. You know, I'm getting ready for the Mohegan sun show this weekend. Um, and pricing cards. I see the, the CJ Stroud, the prismatic. Right now, that card had been selling up to forty dollars a card. Right, I was selling. I I sold a, a bunch of these at Culture Collision for thirty dollars each. Now I was just looking at the price, and I see they're down to like ten dollars, seven dollars ninety nine cents. You know, eight dollars six ninety nine, and I'm like, wow. I mean, that that happened quick, right? Uh, again, it's because the market is flooded, and it's a race to zero. Everybody's got one. Everybody's trying to trying to sell it as quick as possible. I know the people buying all these cards from me at Culture Collision, they were just going to resell these cards. They were just going to flip these cards. They were buying these cards to reflip them. They saw, wow, you know, the, the last one sold at 40, 42, 45. You know, will you take 30? Absolutely, I'll take 30, right? Did they sell them in time? I don't know. I I don't care because I took my profit out of the card up front. 
right? I left some meat on the bone for somebody else, but who knows? It could have been, a, those, those could have gone to, I, I haven't looked the prices up on those since culture collision. So I don't know when they've gone, went, went from 40 to under $10 a card. Uh, I could certainly go back and look, but I don't care because I've already moved the card out. Uh, but, but it turns in, it turns into a race to zero on most of these cards. And if you're in this, if you're in this hobby and and you're a collector and you like to collect ultra modern stuff, you have to know, look up all the cards. You can make a list of all the cards you want because give it a month or two and those cards are going to just tank right down. Uh, and then there becomes a rise of who got the PSA 10s, right? It becomes the PSA 10s and some PSA 9s and, and everything else just becomes, you know, can I grade that card and try to get a 10 out of it? So the the, the hype of all these cards are, 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 are gone after a month or so, or we're just on to the next, whatever the next product is that, that, that came out. Uh, I, as promised, comparing other content to my plan, um, their, their plan was wait till May, right? Don't, don't buy football, wait till May and start buying football. Only buy singles from discount boxes, send for grading. They'll be back in August, start selling late August into, into September. I mean, it sounds like a solid plan to me. It's not something that that I'm going to do, but it sounds like a solid plan. There's no money tied up for months, right? So it, you're you're giving a plan to to somebody saying, "Look, here's some low risk. If you want to become a flipper, if you want to make money in the hobby, here's some low risk." And and honestly, if you're really good at identifying cards that could gem. When you're out at the show, going through uh, discount boxes, even better, even better, because you know being being able to do that and pull cards out of there and be pretty successful, uh, you know, of what could gem. Uh, my, my my friend Jordan at Zips Cards, you know, he's just he was great at that. He could go out and we would go to a show and he'd show me all these 10, 12, 15 cards he pulled out. And then I, he would send me messages a month later. Remember that show? And oh, this is coming back from PSA. They'd be all tens. So he he was great at that. And, and like that is his lane in the hobby. I, I'm not as great good at it. I'm getting better. I'm telling you, I know I'm getting better uh, because I'm you know I'm doing a lot more um, of of the grading. I'm doing a lot. I got a lot of cards right that that some early grading that I sent out, some came gemmed, a bunch came back nines and I had to figure out why did they come back a nine, right? What, what went wrong? This card looks so good to me. And then I examined the heck out of this card. You know, I, I bought a centering tool to go back over and see, was it the centering, you know, cause the corners and the edges look good. Was there something on the card I missed and how did I miss it? And just try to figure out what's, and I know I'm going to get a lot of people say, Hey, you know what? There's, out of PSA, there's not a, there's really a, a nine or a 10. It's just depending how somebody felt that day. Uh, and somebody else had messaged in when I talked about that and said that they have a, a computer scanning, uh, you know, grading these cards. Now it's not people grading these cards. So again, I, I, at first I heard of that, but, um, 
it can only hope, right? That that whatever is happening, it's whoever is grading is having a good day when your cards are going through their thing. Because some of the cards I've gone through that that have nine, like I cannot find anything. And I say to other people, even my friend Jordan, I say, hey man, can you look at this card? Can you tell me why this came back a nine? He'd say, I have no idea. I would crack it out and send it back. It'll probably come back a 10, right? And maybe it would. Maybe it would. I, I, I haven't done that yet, but you know, maybe, maybe I should try if, uh, if, if I really feel that strongly about a card. Um, I like to have my, my prospecting cards sold before the first game of the season. And I, I understand the plan here. I mean, I understand the, the, them saying, you know, sell them into September, um, and, and I know uh, football sells well into September, but I just feel like the prices just start to decline once the season starts because we're so excited about a player. And if the player goes out and plays well, is their card going to go up anymore? Is it going to start to come down? I mean, what does a player have to do when they're playing in the game and we're watching them? You know, I, we know a handful full of these players are going to play well, right? And they're starting, not everybody's going to play poorly. Somebody's going to go out and play well. Um, but I have to, I have to think that if I can sell all my cards before the season starts that the amount of players that are going to play well where their cards could go up is not going to be that profit is not going to be as much as selling everything beforehand and just cashing out of the profit beforehand. Uh, I may leave, there may be a little money left on the table there, Right. But if I waited to sell all those cards, right, I think there would be I, I would lose a lot of money. So I think. There's no there's no reason for me to hold any play. And I talked about this uh, last year with Desmond Ritter, right, that there was so much hype about him. I had those cards. I sold them at the national. I sold them at the East coast national. They had one or two left going into September of all those cards that I had. Uh, and then all of a sudden he comes out and he's not playing well, right? I was happy to sell the last two that I had. And, and then I watched the prices just get, go get tanked on these cards. Right. And I said, I was happy. I'm like, I could have, I could have held more of those cards, but I'd, I probably would have been in trouble, you know, if I held on to it. But we all have to find our lane in the hobby. You know, we all have to take bits and pieces uh, of all these strategies, mine and everybody else's. I do the same thing. And, and we just form a plan that works for us. I mean, the hobby is a fun place, right? But as soon as we start trying to keep up with others or overextending, it just becomes a scary place. I've had many conversations with people who who burnt themselves out in the hobby, um, trying to time it better, overextending, things aren't working out, right? And they just stepped back, they took some time off, they regrouped, and they came back back with a new plan. You know, I I I'm messaging with people like this all the time and said, hey, 
this is what happened to me. I'm back now and this is what I'm doing. And, and I'm, and I'm listening to what you're doing and I'm taking some of that. And, and, and they've just created a plan that fits within their means. Right. And, and if we can do that, the hobby is a fun place. It's a fun place to be. Uh, this weekend, I'm at the Mohegan Sun East Coast Collectibles Convention. It is Saturday and Sunday, two days this weekend, 9, 9 a.m. to 6 on Saturday, Sunday 10 to 4. Uh, there's a trade night Saturday night. Uh, says the usual meeting room, so I, I don't know which... I don't know what the usual meeting room is, but uh, when you're there, if you go, if you're going, though, I'm sure they're going to point to just go for the trade night on Saturday night. But I'm at table number 54, uh, so if you show, if you're going to the show, definitely stop by, say hello. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, a, a bunch of listeners. I've been messaging all week with people asking me if I'm going to be set up and table number and things like that. So yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing everybody there uh, this weekend. I will be back Monday. Um, I'm going to recap this show. So I don't know if it's going to be uh if you're going to get the episode Monday morning or Monday afternoon, but you'll get the episode on Monday at some point. So don't be alarmed if it's not there Sunday night or Monday morning waiting for you, uh, but it'll get there. Uh, it just depends on what time I get home from the show on Sunday and how I'm feeling and if I have enough energy to uh, to put out, a, put out an episode. Uh, but either way, you're going to get one from me on Monday. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like, definitely subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend and sp spread the word. And until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you.